greetings to all of you, and uh, welcome to those who are online, and uh, greetings to everyone around the world who may be listening to this sermon later on. Uh, my wife and I were in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, in Ocala last weekend for the TWPs. Uh, went very well. We thank Mr. Joe Brown and Mr. Ryan Dawson and all of the brethren for their special work to uh, make the TWPs so special. And we had a surprising number of coming in Ocala. Uh, there were only about 58 registered, but about 65 people came. So that was quite surprising. So we'll want to be praying for the TWPs uh, today, even Mr. Uh, Rod McNair in, um, uh, was it Alabama, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and uh, Mr. Weston tomorrow in El Paso, Texas. So uh, that's very special. Um, I'm scheduled also for the TWP two weeks from today in Mabane, North Carolina. Uh, Mabane is a small town between Greensboro and uh, Raleigh sometime. So uh, we'll be up uh, in North Carolina two weeks from today. And, of course, next week will be the uh, fast, the church fast. And uh, as we heard in the sermon out, we need the faith that goes along with the righteousness. And as we humble ourselves through fasting, uh, God will help us increase our faith. Many of our brethren are experiencing uh, trials around the world, and uh, some here in Charlotte, of course, very health trials. And we know that it tells us in James 1 and verse 3 that the testing of our faith produces patience, or also another translation, endurance. And we know that when we go through these kind of trials, we begin to evaluate our lives and realize that there are different perspectives in life. We don't sometimes complain about the weather or we complain about uh, some uh, appliance in our house that doesn't work. We realize that the value of life uh, far supersedes all these obstacles and, and problems that we face on a daily basis. As a church, we've been given a sevenfold mission statement by Dr. Meredith. The seventh mission-fold statement is as follows. Build an atmosphere of radiant faith within God's church. Uh, By the way, some of you may be new and you won't want to uh, ask for that seventh-fold mission of the church. You can get it at our mail processing uh, department. We've had quite a few sermons on faith. Uh, Jeffrey Fall uh, has won back in uh, 2004. Facets of Living Faith, Mario Hernandez, uh, Living Faith in 2010. I gave one on a work of faith, 2014, and Men, Women, and Children of Faith, 2019. So there are many sermons you can access on members.lcg.org on the matter of faith, and I hope you will be hearing some of them. But some of our brethren have been practicing the wrong kind of faith and sometimes the wrong kind of righteousness, as we heard of the sermonette. But the wrong kind of of faith rejects godly faith that's required for obedience, for submitting to God's government. Turn to Matthew 7 and verse 21. Matthew 7 and verse 21. Here were individuals claiming that they were practicing the faith of Christ 
And Jesus said, no, you weren't doing that. You, you think you were. You claimed to do that, but you weren't. Matthew 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? We have exercised faith, faith in your name. But what did Christ say? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, who practice lawlessness. So we need to, again, understand, yes, we need the right kind of faith. We need the right kind of, of righteousness to live by. We've had two sermons along that line. One uh, Mr. Wally Smith gave, uh, May 1st, uh, 2021, The Shallows of Counterfeit Faith. Yes, there is counterfeit faith that's been going around. Mr. Weston also addressed that issue in the November-December 2021 Living Church News called Faith, Protection, and Unity. Uh, Mr. Weston addressed a claim that we as a church lack faith because we had to close the Living Youth Camp last summer. Mr. Weston writes in that article, quote, I don't write these things to condemn anyone, but merely to state the facts and to note that these facts should put shallow claims about the faith into perspective. He calls them shallow claims about faith into perspective. Health challenges such as these should not be taken as signs that those who suffer should be judged as lacking faith, whether those who suffer are in our group or in another. As I explained earlier, Mr. Wesson writes, even some of the most faith-filled individuals in Scripture experienced sickness and calamity, and their faith was not shown in God's miraculous protection, but rather in their godly obedience, attitude, and even gratitude as they endured these trials. Turn to uh, the faith chapter, and I hope well, you'll be, as a result of this sermon, uh, be reading Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the faith chapter, and also the book of James, which has to many comments on faith as well. But let's turn to Hebrews 11, and here's such an inspiring scripture that you realize, yes, these individuals had living faith. Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith. He mentions some of the patriarchs in the previous verses. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, because they have to await, of course, the promise of eternal life. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were assured of them, embraced them. I, I like that, uh, that expression, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And so these died in faith. And just in 2021, we've had several ministers and ministers' wives that died in the faith. February 6, 2021, Cynthia Clymer, age 55, wife of Elder Steve Clymer, died. February 16, 2021, Margaret Delaney, age 84, a widow of Elder Gerald Delaney. 
May 27, 2021, Chrissy McNair, age 57, wife of Pastor Jonathan McNair. August 2nd, 2021, Lucretia Smith, age 77, widow of Elder Tony Smith. August 19th, 2021, Arias Nusantara, age 45, or pastor in, in Asia. October 10th, 2021, Gary Amon, age 84. And December 23rd, 2021, Dwayne Chrisman, they call him Doc Chrisman in Dallas, age 84. So we pray for their families, for God and their comfort, to give them comfort. But what higher commendation can be given to anyone in God's church that they died in the faith? And, of course, as they are sleeping in Christ, as it tells us in First Thessalonians, the 14th chapter, 4th chapter. But we live in a faithless age. How can we live each day by faith? We had a sermon by that title back in uh, 2005, Live Each Day by Faith. And when we give another sermon by that topic, we have to change the title because we don't want to duplicate titles. So I wanted to give a sermon on Live this Each Day by Faith, so we're changing the title to Living Each Day by Faith. So the sermon today is titled Living Each Day by Faith, although... It, the main emphasis is on live each day by faith. So how can you increase your faith? And how do you exemplify faith in everyday life? And will you have faith when Christ returns? Yes, we can live each day by faith by accomplishing a work of faith. And that's the first topic I want to talk about. And that is God has called us to accomplish a work of faith. So today we are dedicated to the message Christ has given us, and we are involved in a work of faith. In fact, we have a title, a sermon by that title, A Work of Faith. Dr. Meredith discussed the church and its work of faith in a semiannual letter of April, 20, April 30th, 2014. Uh, that was mailed to 440,000 Tomorrow's World subscribers. He said in that letter, quote, As many as you know, this is the work of the living Christ. It is a work of faith. Because we truly try to follow the Bible and trust in God, we have been given special insight into the truly big events and trends which will be affecting your life in the next several years. As many of you know, this is the work of the living Christ. It is a work of faith. And you know John 4, verse 34, which should be a part of our very nature and motivation. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. My meat, my energy, my motivation is to do the will of God, the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. When we look back at uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter, you want to turn back there again uh, to the faith chapter, chapter, chapter 11. We see there many illuminaries of the patriarchs in the Bible that uh, did live by faith. Noah had a work of faith. 
Hebrews 11 and verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. And I hope that every one of us has a godly fear and a godly love. You know, you talk about um, mutually exclusive. They're not. Uh, Godly love and godly fear are both mentioned in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12, I believe it is, that we are to love God with all our heart and fear God. They're not, uh, they're mutually complementary, not mutually exclusive. Move with fear, godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith, just as we heard in the sermonette became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So Noah had a work of faith. And, uh, of course, Moses had a work of faith in uh, building the tabernacle. And he was told, you have to build it exactly to the specifications that God gave and revealed to him. And you can read about that in uh, Exodus 36 and 37. So God has called us to complete the Great Commission, and you're aware of that, but let's read it again in Matthew, the 28th chapter. God has given us a work of faith. We have to step out and be bold. And the faith, of course, as we heard in the sermon, inquires obedience. Matthew, the 28th chapter, and starting with verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the, all the nations. And uh, we are increasing our expansion into different languages even now. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a reassuring promise that Christ gave us that He's with us always to the end of the age and and of course, Hebrews 13:5, he said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." But notice verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, "All authority has been given to me in the heaven and in earth." So, how is the work going to be accomplished by Christ's power, by His authority? Of course, the King James has. All power has been given to me in heaven and earth. So it's with the Christ's power and with his authority that the work is going to be accomplished. So Noah had a work of faith. And, uh, and, and, and of course, Moses had a work of faith. And we have a work of faith. Dr. Douglas Winnell spoke on that subject uh, in a sermon uh, the Last Crusade. I've been listening to it on a, a, a CD here. I'm driving around in my car uh, hearing that. The Last Crusade, the only real hope for the world. That was given November 20th, uh, 2021 by Douglas Winnell. Hopefully you, you can hear that sermon. There's another very encouraging comment for all of us in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Turn back to uh, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians 15. You know, it's the resurrection chapter. And he talks about the greatest victory is the victory over death when we're resurrected. But notice verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. 
But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, we'll be observing in another several weeks from now the Passover and Days of Unleavened Bread, and we'll be looking forward to the victory over sin. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So that's a work of faith that we have, always abounding in the work of the Lord, not knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And then we know that a part of our labor is and in work in doing the work is praying, as Jesus taught us to pray. And I hope that you have noted in your Bible, in your way of living, when Jesus said to pray this or pray that, uh, that you are praying. And he said, pray, for example, in Matthew uh, 24, that your flight not be in the winter nor on the Sabbath day. Are you doing that? He told us to pray in Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send more laborers into the harvest. But the harvest is plenteous, and the laborers are few. So I hope you're praying that. And thankfully, as Mr. Weston has pointed out, that in spite of the COVID time pandemic and the downturn in the economy, God is blessed us by hiring more ministers, and your prayers are being answered. God is sending more laborers into the harvest. But continue to pray that as a part of your work, your part of your participation and service in the work of God. So God is blessing His work, and we're so encouraged by that. Um, we thank you for your service and your prayers and your support. Uh, the world ahead just a couple weeks ago, actually January 6th, that would be last a week this, from this last Thursday, um, we had the report of some of the blessings with how God is blessing His work. I'll just repeat that. We had over 207,000 literature requests addressed to the, uh, that is attributed to the telecast in 2021. So even the first two telecasts of uh, 2022, uh, Mr. Wesson's telecast of uh, over 5,000 and the last week's telecast, over 5,000 responses as well. Tomorrow's World Magazine subscription. The magazine subscription last uh, list grew by 116,000 in 2021. From January 2021, the... Circulation was 424,000. January 2022, 540,000. So at one year's time, uh, the circulation of Tomorrow's Magazine, Tomorrow's World Magazine went up by 116,000. And then this is so inspiring. Uh, it's just so encouraging to know uh, how God is blessing His work. In 2021, this year, over 139,000 people requested the first lesson of the print Bible study course in English. This is about 45% more than in 2020. When the online course is included, uh, there will well be over 150,000 requests for the Bible study course that is lesson one. 
course, we're trying to do all we can, as Mr. DeSimone's working on that, to help people encourage continue from Lesson 1 on to Lesson 2. But to have 150,000 people begin the Bible study course is so inspiring and so encouraging. So we just talked briefly about God's work as being a work of faith and our part in building a faith and the atmosphere of faith. Next, I want to talk briefly as faith as a body of belief, a way of life. Turn to Colossians, uh, the second chapter. We all have our favorite verses, and this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Of course, of many, many, many favorite verses in the Bible. Colossians 2 and verse 6. Colossians 2 and verse 6. As you have therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, you have received His sacrifice, you have submitted to His authority over your life. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. That means day by day living. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. That is the whole way of life, the body of belief, uh, that the Bible reveals for the church of God. Established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding it with thanksgiving. So God has given us a body of belief. And we've categorized that in the official statement of fundamentals of belief. And I hope if you have not reviewed that for some time, uh, that you review the official statement of fundamental beliefs. How can you find that? You just go to members.lcd.org and click on at the top of where it says about. And then when you hit down at the bottom of the scroll, you have to find it down at the very bottom. It says our beliefs. And when you click on that, you'll have the whole official statement of fundamental beliefs. And by the way, one of our church youth, he was about 11 or 12 years old. That was six or seven years ago. I think this is the story, and Mrs. Lyons can affirm that. But Mrs. Lyons, I want to tell you the 29 topics. So what 29 topics? Well, you know the 29 topics. Well, what was that? The 29 headings of the statement of official beliefs. He had memorized all 29 major headings of the statement of beliefs. And uh, I, I think you, you might not know that there are 29 headings of that. But it gives us, it will encourage you, all of you, brethren, to read the statement of beliefs because we embrace a body of faith, as we just read in Colossians 2. We established in the faith. Romans 1 and verse 5. Romans 1 and verse 5. Through him we receive grace and a sponsorship, and an apostleship, the apostle Paul writes, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you have been called in Christ Jesus. And so, we have to be obedience to the faith. Among all nations, it mentions in Romans 1 and verse 5. 
So we need to make sure that we are testing and proving of all of those 29 dimensions of a body of faith uh, based on the Bible. And if, if you have any questions about that, uh, it, it is a test, in other words, of, of your faith, uh, because we've been established over the many years, or the, uh, been reviewed time and time again by the Council of Elders of the official statement of beliefs. So faith is a body of belief. The next question is, how are you saved? Of course, we've had a whole sermon on that by Mr. Rod McNair, uh, by that same title. But how would you answer that question? How are you saved? We're talking about living faith. We'll turn to Ephesians, the second chapter, is one of the ways of answering that question. Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians 2, and starting with verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So how are you saved? All of those are the gifts of God. Salvation is a gift. Grace is a gift. And faith is a gift of God. But then you have the Protestant view, some of them, that you're saved by grace alone. Or you're saved by faith alone, which, of course, uh, Martin Luther added the word sola, alone, to the uh, Romans uh, 3, verse 23. That you're saved by faith alone. No, that's not in the Bible. But, uh, by the way, in our TWP presentations, we offer... Uh, if possible, I was, of course, able to drive with the uh, whole shipment of books of Dr. Meredith's book on the plain truth about the Protestant Reformation and uh, offer to those who come to have a whole book. And, uh, uh, of course, I challenged those uh, TWP attendees in Ocala and Jacksonville to uh, make sure uh, that uh, one of the signs of Christ's coming is the false Christianity. And you can read about that in Dr. Meredith's book. And uh, did, did the Martin Luther actually reform the Catholic Church? You can read about that in this booklet, in the book. But uh, how are you saved? It's not just through faith alone. It's through God's faith. And, of course, Romans 5, verses 8 through 10 tell us also how we are saved. Romans 5, you can turn there to Romans 5, and uh, starting with, with verse 8. Let's see, Romans. Romans 5, uh, starting with verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10. And, of course, this is one that you should have marked in your Bible or actually marked in your heart and mind. Verse 10. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Much more having been reconciled, 
we shall be saved by his life. So salvation is past, present, and future. We've been saved by our past sins from Christ's shed blood. We are now being saved. I think that's Second Corinthians, uh, fourth chapter. Second Corinthians 2 verse 15. Uh, that we are now being saved. And of course, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Matthew 24:13. And then one just read Romans 5 verse 10. We shall be saved by his life. And again, I mentioned Mr. Rod McNair's uh, sermon, uh, Are You Saved? And we also heard from the, in the sermon at Galatians 2 and verse 20. Let's, let's turn there. Galatians 2, 20. That's how we have the righteousness of God and have the faith of, of God, the faith of Christ. And there's a distinction. You have the, your faith or you have Christ's faith. So Galatians 2 and verse 20. In the New King James Version, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a wrong translation. It should be the faith of Christ, which it is in the King James Version. And so we have three references to the faith of Christ not the faith in Christ. Galatians 2, verse 16, two few verses earlier. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ, as it is in the King James Version. In the New King James Version, it says, faith in Christ. But here is the second um, reference to the faith of Christ, the King James Version, but by faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, but we might be justified by faith of Christ, as it should read, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be saved. And then there's another reference, of course, to the faith of Jesus. I won't turn there, but I'll just read it to you. Uh, Revelation 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So the very faith of Jesus, not the faith in Jesus. But you do have your own faith. You have your faith, and then you have the gift of faith from God, and that's the faith of Christ. But you still need your own faith, because it tells us in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we start off our life, our Christian life, with our, our faith that we prove, we've proven that the Bible is God's revealed word, and we've proven that God does exist, and he's the creator of the universe, and it's revealed as well through the Holy Bible. So we have our own faith. Hebrews 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not repeating the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection, of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Here we have six basic doctrines of the church. 
And one of them is faith towards God and repentance from dead works. So we have our own faith to begin with. But then when we have that one faith, we are later become baptized. And when the Gentiles were converted, I'll just read it to you from Acts 20, verse 20. How I kept back from nothing, uh, the, uh, Peter is saying, that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Verse 21, Acts 20, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance from God, toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you begin your Christian life, you begin with faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ and repentance towards God. And so there are maybe some that are considering baptism. Uh, you need to, again, make sure that you're counseling with uh, Mr. Elliot or Mr. Strain uh, as you can. Uh, we have uh, just, a, I'll, I'll talk about that a little later, of course, with Passover coming up in just a couple months or less than a couple months from now. So we talked about briefly your faith in the faith of Christ. And it's the faith of Christ that saves you, and we shall be saved by his life, and he that endures to the end uh, shall be saved. Next, I want to talk about biblical examples of faith. We already mentioned the um, matter of Noah, also of Moses, um, we all need to be men, women, and children of faith. We already had a, a sermon on that topic. But when you look in the Bible, there are so many beautiful examples of faithful women in the Bible. Let's turn to one example here in uh, Matthew 20, 26 and verse 20. Matthew 26 and verse 10. Matthew 26 and verse 10. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, uh, this is a time when, when Mary uh, had the, uh, the very costly fragrant oil and uh, anointed Jesus, poured it on his head as he sat at the table, verse 7 of Matthew 26. And, of course, they were indignant about that. Why wasn't it sold to, for the poor? Verse 10. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done, will be told as a memorial to her. So here was an act of faith by this woman, and Christ commended her, and it's mentioned even to this day. And there are so many other women, of faithful women in the Bible. Uh, Mr. Ken Frank gave a, a series recently on, on the book of uh, Esther. And, of course, Esther, when she was um, threatened and told by her her, her uncle uh, Mordecai uh, that the, that she may have come to the kingdom for such just a time as this to save the Jewish people from genocide uh, 
And she said in Esther 4, verse 16, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan, and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She was a woman of faith. And of course, not only do we have so many examples of women women of faith, we have children of faith in the Bible as well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were probably teenagers. Maybe they grew up into uh, near young adulthood by that time. But they told Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is this case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. So here were uh, young, if they were teenagers by that time, a real bold in the faith. And uh, they went through into the fiery furnace as well, but God delivered them. And then, of course, Jesus went up to the temple when he was only 12 years old. And uh, when his parents couldn't find him, they finally found him in the temple. And Jesus told them in Luke 2, verse 49, Why do you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? He was about age 12. And we have some wonderful children here in our congregation that are being uh, very exercising their degree of faith. And we, we appreciate their example. Next, I want to talk about some of the characteristics of faith. Let's turn to Ephesians 3 and verse 11. We expect that all of us will be men, women, and children of faith. But what are some of the characteristics of faith? Turn to Ephesians, uh, the third chapter. Ephesians 3. Verse, breaking into the middle of a thought in verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. One of the characteristics of faith is boldness, because we have through have faith in him. There I, therefore I ask you, do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And that's the whole purpose of life that the world does not know, that we are born to be, we are, our purpose is to be born into the very family of God, the royal family of God, at the seventh trumpet at the resurrection. But one of the characteristics is that of boldness. First Timothy 3, uh, verse 12 through 14. First Timothy 3. And here we have the qualifications of uh, elders, of, of deacons and elders. But First uh, Timothy 3, and starting with verse 12. First Timothy 3 and verse 12. Let deacons be let the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness 
in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then, of course, I won't turn there, but just to remember putting on the whole armor of God in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, uh, that we may pray for the ministry, that they may speak with great boldness. But one of the characteristics of faith is boldness. Another one of the characteristics is brought out in the spiritual gifts chapter. There are two chapters on spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. Turn to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12. And here we find other characteristics of faith. Because God has given us different spiritual gifts. Uh, we all don't have the same spiritual gift. I've mentioned before about one uh, of our members a long time ago was concerned because she was not a caregiver. She noticed that one of the wonderful Christian examples of one of the women was she was a, a caregiver, spending a whole life taking care of someone. She said, well, I, I, I don't have that gift. Well... You don't, we all don't have the same gifts as it tells us in Romans, the 12th chapter. And it brings you out verse 6 of Romans 12. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he exhorts in exhortation. He who gives, who he gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in help, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse. So we have different different gifts, spiritual gifts, and of course in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, it tells us about the body. If you're if you're the nose, where if you you're where is the smelling? You know, you you're not you're, you're not uh, you, you may be a no, you may be a knee, uh, you may be an eye, you may be an ear, uh, you may be a nose. Uh, he gives that analogy that we have different functions and ways of serving in God's church. So there we have various spiritual gifts. One of the most important ones, of course, is that of love. We talked about boldness, but that has to do with confidence. And in 1 John 4.18, I'll just quote it to you, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And I know any time that I feel a little nervous, I just pray that God will give me that, that love, that perfect love that casts out fear. And then one of my other... Favorite uh, scriptures, and again, I won't turn there. I'll just quote it. Uh, Proverbs uh, fourteen twenty six. We talk about confidence and boldness. Proverbs fourteen twenty six. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and His children will have a place of refuge. So this is not selfish confidence, but godly confidence. 
So pray that you can have the fruits of and characteristics of godly faith. And there are different degrees of faith. You realize somehow are weak in the faith, or some are strong in the faith. Let's uh, turn to Matthew uh, the sixth chapter, Matthew six. And how many times uh, Jesus said this? He was uh, challenging his audience. Matthew six and verse twenty-eight. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? In chapter 8, In verse 26, he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And in Matthew 14, verse 31, when Peter walked on the water, he said, Why did you doubt, you of little faith? And then Matthew 16, and verse verse 5, they talked about uh, their having forgotten the bread and their, how are they going to feed the 5,000. And uh, Jesus said in verse 8 of Matthew 16, O you of little faith. So how do you categorize yourself? Uh, do you have little faith? O you of little faith, you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? So, let's turn to Romans, the fourth chapter. Let's realize that some of us, at times in our lives, our spiritual life, may have been weak in the faith. But God wants us to build our strength and increase our faith. Here's an example in Romans, the fourth chapter, where God says, Here's a man who was not weak in faith. Romans 4 and verse 15. Romans 4, verse 15. I'm sorry. Let's see. Oh, sorry. Romans 4, verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not, not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith. So brethren, what is your faith? How is your faith? How is your strength in godly righteousness? Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. That's one of the, another definition of faith. As Abraham said, being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. That's a good definition of faith. And therefore, it was accounted to him 
for righteousness, as we heard in the sermonette. So make sure that you're going to be strengthened in faith. In fact, turn to Luke, the 17th chapter, Luke 17. Can you improve your faith? Can you increase your faith? Luke, the 17th chapter. And starting with uh, verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So, of course, they were not converted at that time, but they did have a certain degree of faith. They were weak in the faith, as Jesus commented several times. So the Lord said, verse 6, If you have faith as a mustard seed, and can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for me, my supper, and gird yourself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink. Verse 9, does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. So implied here, Increasing your faith is the matter that we need to be profitable servants, not unprofitable servants. So think about living each day by faith and being a profitable servant. In fact, there are four scriptures in the four references in the Bible that have to do by living each, not living each day but faith, by at each day, but the just shall live by faith. I won't turn to them, I'll just read them to you. Habakkuk 2 and verse 4 in the Old Testament. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Romans 1, 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. Of course, that's referring back to Habakkuk. Galatians 3, verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And then the fourth reference is Hebrews 10, verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So how does one live by faith? Well, we know you live by every word of God, as it tells us in Matthew 4.4 and Luke 4.4. But again, one of my favorite scriptures, and I don't know if I quote it to myself uh, that often, but uh, fairly often, I would say. And we can all turn back there to Proverbs, the third chapter. Proverbs, the third chapter. So how do you live each day by faith? One way is applying Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, God has got a purpose for your life. And once you surrender your life to Him, you are in His hands. You're trusting Him to take care of you. or trusting Him to guide your life and bring you into His kingdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. That's living each day by faith. Because you acknowledge Him in all your ways and you're trusting Him to guide your life. And yet what happens? Sometimes we have a terrible accidents. We had the one prayer request. And you realize, how does, why does God allow those things to happen? Because it tells us in Romans 8.28 that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And we know that we have many lessons to learn in life. And sometimes God allows us to go through these trials to test our faith. As Mr. Weston was mentioning of those who were ill and sick and died in the faith. They were, they exemplified living faith. And so sometimes we have to realize that God is testing us. We trust in God with our whole heart. Of course, on our dollar bills and on our coinage in the U.S., we have, in God we trust. Uh, we have a sermon by that title, by the way. And uh, Mr. Wesson had a sermon, Trust and obey. That was first put on our coinage in 1864 uh, during the Civil War. On July 30th, 1956, uh, Congress passed the law that the motto should also appear on paper currencies as well. But we know our nation is returned, uh, turning its back on God and rejecting God and is not trusting God at all. It tells us in Psalm 33, verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. So let's do, turn to Colossians, the third chapter, Colossians 3. I already read one of my favorite scriptures, Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. And here's another one, uh, Colossians 3. So we need to trust in God with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding and acknowledge Him in all our ways and He will direct our paths. Colossians, the third chapter, and verse 16. How do you live each day by faith? You practice these scriptures. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Colossians 3, verses 16 and 17. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, if you're brushing your teeth, why are you brushing your teeth? You know, for healthy hygiene. Uh, you, everything that you do, is it in the honor of God? Is it something that is going to uh, help build godly character, as we heard in the sermonette. Do all in the name of Jesus Christ. And if it is something that you feel a little tenuous about, maybe you feel a little guilty about, you better face up to that guilt feeling and realize maybe doing this particular thought or this action or thinking this thought 
is not going to be honoring to God and is not going to be lasting. We talked about um, value or vanity, a sermon uh, some time ago, and realized what is vanity. Vanity is anything that's not lasting. And the whole book of Ecclesiastes shows what is vanity. But what is lasting, and you ask yourself that question, this thought, this thought, this action that I'm doing, is it contributing to something that is lasting, like true values that I'll be teaching in tomorrow's world as a teacher, over as a king and a priest, teaching in the educational systems of tomorrow's world? Am I developing that kind of character? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It has to do with surrendering one's life to God. I've mentioned before, Dr. Meredith and Mr. Armstrong used the term conquered by God. Dr. Meredith used to say that some of the luminaries, I'll use that term in the, uh, our former association that that uh, apostatized. He said, what, what, what was wrong with them? They were never conquered by God. Mr. Herbert Armstrong in his autobiography wrote a section on living by faith, but also the matter of joy in defeat, about being conquered by God. That's in chapter 17, volume 1 of Autobiography of uh, Herbert W. Armstrong, the section called Joy in Defeat. I wonder if some of you have never experienced that same kind of uh, experience. Mr. Armstrong wrote, This surrender to God, this repentance, this giving up of the world, of friends and associates and of everything was the most bitter pill I ever swallowed, Mr. Armstrong writes. Yet it was the only healing in all my life, the only medicine in all my life that ever brought a healing. For I was actually begin to realize that I was finding joy beyond words to describe in this total defeat. I had actually found joy in the study of the Bible. In the discovery of new truths heretofore hidden from my consciousness, and in surrendering to God in complete repentance, I found unspeakable joy in accepting Jesus Christ as personal Savior and my present High Priest. And that's uh, her autobiography, Herbert W. Armstrong, Volume 1, and page 17. And so when we consider where we are surrendered to God, that we have actually been conquered by God. We've surrendered to God. We consider the Passover that's just, what, 13 weeks away, April 14th, 2022. So some of you may be considering a council of baptism, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, if so, you may want to contact Mr. Strain or, or Mr. Elliott and review Mr. Weston's sermon on the essentials of baptism, which he gave just three months ago. So if you're considering baptism, I encourage you to hear Mr. Wesson's sermon, uh, Essentials of Baptism. But true repentance brings about joy to sinners. Then after repentance and baptism, uh, God gives the awesome gift of His Holy Spirit.
And then you know Acts 2, verse 38, of course. So if you're totally surrendered to God, if you're deeply repentant, if you lead a new joyous life, you may want to consider being baptized if you're not baptized as yet. But you need to, again, prove yourself, make sure that you know that you know that God exists, and know that you know that the Bible is God's Word, and you're basing your very life, your eternal life, your future, on the Word of God, the Bible. The disciples asked Jesus how to increase their faith. Lord, increase our faith. And he gave them the example of being an unprofitable servant. You need to be profitable servants. But turn to James, the second chapter. I think uh, Mr. Tomac may have read sections of this. Uh, James, the second chapter. As I mentioned, James has quite a bit of comments on faith. James 2 and verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So, it's the either-or fallacy. You know, either you have faith or you have works. But James is saying you need to have both. And I've even quoted from uh, the commentator Barclay. He said, well, you, you need to have prayer and action. It's not either-or, but it's both-and. It's not law or grace. It's law and grace that you uh, practice. And it's faith and works. Verse 20, do you not believe, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son on the altar? Do you see that the faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. And so as we heard the sermon that godly righteousness has to harmonize with godly faith. How else can you increase your faith? I won't turn there, but Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, I'll refer you to Dr. Douglas Winnell's sermon, The Bible, Key to Faith. The sermon title, The Bible, Key to Faith. And then there's a way of increasing your faith by claiming God's promises. And that's Second Peter, the first chapter. Second Peter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who has called us by glory and virtue. 2 Peter 1, verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. No, God has given us His divine nature. We are begotten by His Spirit. And we're to grow and be conformed as it tells us in Romans 8.29, conform to the very image of Christ, to grow in his character and in his mind. Turn to Philippians, the first chapter, Philippians 1. Philippians, the first chapter. 
So you can grow in faith by claiming God's promises and realize that one of those promises is God's working with you personally. Philippians, first chapter, start with uh, verse 3. Philippians 1 and verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you, for you all, with joy. I remember that the Apostle Paul was one who prayed for many different people, 35 different names mentioned in the Romans, the 16th chapter. Then he says he's praying for the Philippians in every prayer of his. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's one of the promises because we sometimes lack the faith. We think, will I make it into the kingdom of God or not? And God promises, yes, he who will make it into the kingdom of God because he's not going to let you go. He's going to perform that work and complete that work in you that he started. The only way that will fail is if you rebel, and you're not going to rebel. You're going to be humbling yourself before God, as we will in the fast next Sabbath, when the whole church is fasting. But God has given you his promises. He's going to bring you into his kingdom. So you need that faith that God will give you and bring you into his kingdom. And remember that all these died in faith, not having received the promises. So we look forward to being faithful. And Christ said to the Philadelphian church in Revelation 3, verse 10, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. So God wants us to be faithful. To endure to the end, we have a sermon, Faithful and Loyal Servants. Another one, Are You a Faithful Steward? Another sermon in the members.lcd.org sermon website, Faithful to the End. We all need to persevere, and we all need to endure. I was uh, encouraged uh, looking at this tree behind our house. I was looking out the kitchen window. We have kind of woods behind our house. And here was this tree back in December. All the leaves were off the tree, but this one leaf was still sticking to the, to the one little twig. And the next day, the, that same little leaf was still there. And the next day, it was still there. It inspired me to write this poem about endurance. The poem is titled, The Lonely Leaf. The little lonely clinging leaf, the last one on the tree, appears outside our kitchen window just for me to see. There is a lesson of life to learn. It's clear to the rich and poor. You will always have God's faithful help while striving to endure. So he tells us again in Matthew 24:13, He that endures to the end shall be saved. Let's turn one more, oh, a few more scriptures. Uh, Jeremiah, the 13th chapter. Back to Jeremiah 13. Here was this leaf clinging uh, to the tree. And that word cling or cleave is made prominent here in Jeremiah, the 13th chapter. 
And I think of that in my relationship to God and to Christ. How close am I to God and how close am I to our Lord and Savior? Well, what does it say here in Jeremiah 13 and starting with verse 11? Jeremiah 13 and verse 11. For as the sash clings to the waist of a man, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Lord, that they may become my people for renown, for praise, and for glory, and that they, but they would not hear. He caused the house of Israel and Judah to cling to him, just as a sash clings to the waist of a man. Other translations have that the um, King James Version says, as the girdle cleaves to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me. The Good News Translation has, just as shorts fightly fit tightly around the waist, so I intended all the people of Israel and Judah to hold tightly to me. So I, my personal prayers, I pray that I can cleave to God, I can cling to God, uh, just as that little leaf was clinging to the last branch, and that was the last leaf on the, on the tree. 1 Peter 4, verse 19. We live in a faithless age, but we are tested by tests and trials. And we can practice living each day by faith as we continue to do good even when we suffer. First Peter 4 and verse 19. Remember the, the beginning of the chapter here, Peter is saying, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial that's to try you in verse 12 of First Peter 4. But then he tells us in verse 19, and it's a, again a very powerful scripture. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. So even while you're suffering, God expects you to do be good because He is a faithful Creator. He's creating in you His perfect character. The NIV says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. The NRSV says, will entrust themselves to a faithful Creator while continuing to do good. So you live each day by faith, by practicing God's way of life. Even in your suffering, you continue to do good. And you realize that God is faithful. And as it tells us in Revelation 17:14, that those who come with Christ... For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. So God increases us and intends for us to increase our faith, to be strong in the faith, to be bold in the faith, to live each day by faith. In Luke 18 and verse 7, the disciples said, Increase our faith. And so God wants us to have be faithful individuals, to endure to the very end, and that when he comes, we will be with him called, chosen, and faithful. So, brethren, 
as we commit ourselves to endure to the end, and we look forward to the Passover, let's commit ourselves to endure to the end. Let's commit ourselves to live each day by faith and remember our brothers and sisters in Christ who died in the faith, as it said in Hebrews 11 and verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but they are waiting with us to receive those promises. So pray daily to do your part in the Great Commission. Remember that we are privileged to serve in the greatest work on earth, the greatest work of faith on earth. Pray for living faith. Seek God's righteousness. It tells us in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and rejoice that you are called to serve your Father in heaven and your Lord Jesus Christ. Strive to live each day by faith as profitable servants. So, brethren, let's live each day by godly faith.